one of the famous locations in the play and in, the, in all the books is the falls at Reichenbach, which are in Switzerland. And they're near the Swiss village of Meiringen. And if you go today, today to that falls, there is a marker on that falls that said, this is where Moriarty and Holmes struggled. No, they didn't. <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> there was never a time at which these two men were here. Welcome to Nerdburger, episode 255. It's a podcast with a sick guy and a sicker guy on Skype and a healthy guy on Skype, I'm assuming. Sounds that way. I'm all alone in the studio. What's happening? What is going on? Who's there? Uh, this is Craig. I'm here. Oh, Hello. Hi, I'm Mike. We're both I sick. Would... <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm getting over something and I... I thought, you know, you know what would be a nice <laughs> gift for my friend Mike would be to not get him sick right after coming out of whatever illness yeah. he has. Yeah, and especially since whatever you have is definitely not what I had. And so you didn't get so, it for me. Yeah, so you could definitely go back to back. And I thought that would be really mean and terrible. So I'm not doing that. So I'm, I'm at home today. Hooray. Um, but, but we do have a guest who is healthy for yes. now. Let's try to find a theme for him. Since I'm not there with my array of themes. Oh, who who's this generic nerd guest that we have on Skype? Hi, it's Jim from Wisconsin. What? Hey, how come you get this theme? I like that theme. Are you kidding me? I got my tickets for Al up here in April. I'm going, baby. Give you some more of that. Anyway, yeah, there's uh, some kind of DRM in <laughs> Jim's theme song that won't allow me to play it. <laughs> I can tell you exactly what it is, but I don't want to get into that discussion. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, here we all are. Hey, Jim, welcome how's it back. Going? Oh, hey, it's good. It's uh, it is. I, I I heard it mentioned in the pre-show that you have your heat on down there, which always every time someone in Atlanta tells me they or Georgia generally, <laughs> hey, you have your heat on. I have this mental picture of oh dear, it's gone to sixty. <laughs> someone get mother a cardigan, but um, it's it's something like three here, I think. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's cold, but it's great. It's, it's, good. it's I, uh, uh, three degrees above freezing here. Oh well, well done. I'm I am right now knocking on my uh, my wooden desk and saying I have not been afflicted by the evil. So all is well. <laughs> did you get your flu shot? I did. Good for I you. I did. I always. I've. It's interesting because well, uh, as a father, one of the things that they do is they look at you sideways when your child is. I think mine was probably six months old and I'd taken him in for a six month appointment and uh, they look at you go, well, you are getting your flu shot, right? And I went, I never really got one before. And I think I've had one pretty much ever since. I skipped this year. And yet you live. And yet I live. <laughs> and I got something that wasn't the flu, but that, that I still have day 22. <laughs> it's like the, uh, the non flu head cold from hell. That's going around here. It has infected uh, 
architects and interior design firms all across the city, and we all have it. Except for Craig. Oh. Craig has something else. <laughs> yeah. I'm fine, thank you. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm getting better, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. Craig's, Craig, Craig is so weakened in his condition that he can't even complain about weather talk. That's how bad Craig is. Oh, I'm complaining on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I always just figure, I figure people want to know what's happening north of the Mason-Dixon for some reason. I like to hear about it, and, uh, and, and I contributed. Like I said, you're three degrees above zero. We're three degrees above freezing. Well, and I, I, will, the, I made this comment walking in from my brief lunch yesterday. I went out for lunch, and I came in and I said to people, there's all this wonderment that goes on when people say, why can't the city of Milwaukee compete with San Diego or Raleigh-Durham or Atlanta for businesses? And went, go outdoors right yeah. now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And that, the, the idea that that isn't a significant deciding factor for people in choosing where they're going to locate their operations just has always baffled me. It's you gotta, you gotta want to be here. You really do. I uh, I do, and I'll stay here. But it's it it's cold, folks. It's cold. You well, get used the, to it. <laughs> the businesses the businesses make their decision, right? They decide. Okay, am I going to? Which do I want to tolerate? A fair bit of cold during the course of uh, you know several months of the year, or my building falling over when the ground shakes, yep. or a hurricane coming along and blowing out everything in my building and filling my building with, you know, a foot and a half of sand. Yes. Maybe, maybe those things happening or, you know, a little bit of cold kind of every year, but people make their choice and they decide I, I would rather risk the foot and a half of sand or my building falling over rather than deal with the cold a little bit of the time. No, that's that's absolutely right. So, well, I win. I get. I do, are we done? No. I want to talk about. All right. Well, I'm ready to talk about those things. Oh. Okay. Let's. You're then, in let's, charge of the. I'm in charge. Let's talk about those things then. Do you not have the news theme? I do. I just need to turn my volume back up. <laughs> What's news, Craig? <laughs> oh, I'm 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 chock full of movie news this week for whatever reason. These are the things that I came across that I that I found interesting. Um, I'm the uh, nicest actor in the world to portray the nicest person in the world. Front. Um, they're doing a biopic of oh, yeah. Fre Fred Rogers. <laughs> Mr. Rogers is getting yeah. a uh, yeah. biopic. Yeah. Who's playing Mr. Called, Rogers, Craig? It's called You Are My Friend. Mm-hmm. And it's, he's being portrayed by Mr. Tom, sorry, Sir Tom Hanks. Is he knighted? He, sure, why not? He's <laughs> not knighted. He was just on the Graham Norton show, and he did not introduce him as Sir. You can't be knighted. You have to be British. That's, oh, that's, there, there's that too, yeah. But so, aren't we so, all British? Because we're in America, and we used yeah, to. Yeah, no, they're, they're still bitter about that. Okay, let it go. <laughs> my question is: my question is this: amongst amongst the powers that the Queen has, can uh -huh. she just grant citizenship to somebody and then knight them as well? Can uh, can she just? Nope. Act of Parliament. Two swoops. Nope. Requires Parliament, huh? Uh huh. Yep. She the thing she gave she can give an honorary knighthood, uh -huh. which she gave to Ronald Reagan. And she's given to others as well. I just remember Reagan's at the moment. 
And those are not, well, none of them are hereditary, but they don't confer the title of sir either. So it's it's literally like the honorary knight Tom Hanks, if she were to honorarily. Just, just so. He would never, it's, it, but he would never be sir. Could he be sir like S-E-R, like George R. R. Martin likes to write it? Like a different <laughs> kind of sir? <laughs> well, look, James I invented because he wanted... he. Whenever you become in the, in that period, Tudor Stewart period, whenever you became uh, a lord, a peer, you had to pay a fee to demonstrate, you know, your power. And so James was always short of money, so he actually invented an order of the freaking peerage called the baronet. You weren't a baron; you were a baronet, and he used that and he sold it like crazy. So, you know, I, I don't know what the heralds thought about that. It was something of a national scandal, but. And Elizabeth seems a, a little too into the whole propriety thing to get into it, but it has, there is a precedent here. I want to be a baronet. Do you? Sure, it why does not? You, could be, you would then be, well, you would be Lord Craig of what? Of this apartment. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Lord Craig of Keokuk. My lord of this apartment. What say you? <laughs> That would be the correct proper the proper form of address, right? Yes, my lord, my, lo my lord, my lord of, of whatever, right? My lord of this apartment, have you beaten the bounds <laughs> of your realm? Oh yes, I walked from the privy all the way to the bedroom twice, verifying it against old rivals, foreign and domestic. Twice last night, just because I'm getting old and had to go twice. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have assured the this the width and breadth of my realm. That's kind of awesome. I may do that today. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, yeah, Tom Hanks is going to play uh, Mr. Rogers. Um, I imagine is Tom, Hanks, hmm? is Tom Hanks just ticking from a list. Like I think all... at this point, he's just going. He's trying to get them all. You know, all the interesting people. Yep. Well, yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see what they do as far as I, I would assume this is going to be, you know, a a breadth of his life kind of thing, and it's usually easier to make a younger actor or look, actress look older. look older than it is vice versa but they do it plenty with with stuff it's just one of these maybe this is going to be one of those movies where it's going to they're going to heavily invest in the cgi de-aging process or colin they're hanks gonna, will play just, young mr rogers that's a possibility too i suppose they're going to tape all of his you know facial parts back <laughs> behind <laughs> his ears and under his chin just to, to pull them all taut he's going to have to wear wear a, a wig anyway because uh, mr rogers did not have that six head no, <laughs> that's not no, even I, a five well, head now. That's a six head. And that's with his plugs. Wow. Or whatever he had done. Which, yeah. oh, that actually reminds me. Jim, remember when we talked about hair plugs and how awful they are? Yes. <laughs> and how hair transplantation, they have to carve that strip of scalp out of the back of your head and stitch it together into an ugly scar that you can never have a short hairstyle for anymore because it'll show. That's right. And they were, they were. I couldn't find the article. I looked back. I used the Andy Memorial Nurburger search engine to find all of your episodes, and I could not find the article. I don't know what happened to it. I guess we didn't post it um, with that whatever episode that was. But uh, somebody was working on a new uh, technology where you didn't have to do that. They could just harvest the the follicles out of your head without cutting it open. <laughs> and okay. um, um, I was getting my hair cut last week, and... Um, it's a friend of ours who cuts our hair, and um, one of her um, 
friends who's a colleague, she said, hey, uh, so-and-so got got a hair transplant. <laughs> and I was like, Whoa. ew, they cut the strip out of the back of his head. Ew, gross. And she goes, she goes, no, 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 they have this new thing now. And she proceeds to tell me how they have, uh, basically what they do is it's a, it's a robot chair, similar to the one that they use for LASIK surgery. Huh. And it maps out the whole back of your head and picks, um, they, they, they don't, they don't do individual follicles. They, they call them like uh, follicular groups or something like that. And it's one to four follicles of hair and they go in and they just go boink, 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 and they randomly suck them out of the back of your head using computers, you know, with this robot. And then the doctor, the actual human goes and implants them in the front of your head. But you don't, you end up with basically, you can't tell that anything's happened. Oh, it is. It, I, as someone whose hair gave up a long time ago, it is, it does amaze me how much we guys will do to keep it. Mm -hmm. I just, it, it, you know, it's almost repetitive to say, I'll just observe. It's just always, when you read about what these treatments are, what some of the side effects of them are. You just go really just oh my god let it go the it's things okay. the, however the things that guys will do to keep a full head of hair pale yeah. in comparison to the things that women do <laughs> to attain an unnatural level of uh, you know our expectations or societal's oh, society's oh no, expectations of beauty and like well, here's the, here's I, the... I, 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 I cringe every time I see a story about somebody when they, whenever they talk about the, the effects of wearing high heels, it just makes me like, Oh my God, that would just, cause I mean, I have problems with my feet to begin with. And the last thing I would need to be is a woman having to stuff them in high heels to make you people like me. No, no. And Jeez. I, you, you, you couldn't be more right about that. And, and it, the perverse thing is, is that. There's so much, so much of it is male centered. I don't disagree with that for a minute. It's, so, you know, I, I'm a little bit of an unreconstructed sexist. I won't deny that. I've got my blind spots, but there are things that I see women doing that I go, ah, you didn't, I did not know how, don't do that. Quit doing that. I did not ask you to, nor do I need you to, but it's, it's horrible. I mean, and, and the idea that we're going to get out of it by simply, you know, I, I, this is a complete distraction, but I was, I, I always look at these, uh, I forget what the term is now, plus-sized models they're trying to put out there now. Mm -hmm. so doing it consciously, doing it deliberately is never going to work. You know, you can't shove people in front of people and go, you will like this now. You will prefer this now. That doesn't yeah. work that way. I'm a guy. I, I can attest to that. You have to, it, it's going to. I don't know what it's going to take, to tell you the truth, because, it's, it's, you know, it's the I, swing of the pendulum. It's like, oh, well, we were at this extreme over here. So now we have to go to that extreme over there. No, right. just like you do that. And then now we have to wait for it to bounce back and forth several times. And, and then, you know, maybe our grandchildren will have experience something normal. <laughs> you know what we need? You know what we need? A good worldwide famine. There you go. <laughs> where where being thin is a sign of being poor and unable to take care of yourself, and being chunky is a sign of prosperity. <laughs> you know? I just, okay, see, so I wasn't going to mention this, but have you guys have you guys seen what's going on in Cape Town, South Africa? Uh, I heard something about the they ran out of water. They're about to. In 10 weeks, in 10 weeks, 
it's day zero in in South Africa. Now, how do they run out of water? They don't they have drop- desalinization plants. No, it's well, right. Well, the, the, that desalinization technology is behind the need, ah. and it's it's very expensive. It's very energy intensive. Um, and they, but the other thing is, and boy, this is this is gonna this is gonna make Craig's head explode oh. when you get into the way sewer systems are designed and water <laughs> systems are designed. You've got to maintain pressure in order for them to work, and their pressure has to get dropped from 1.2 million liters a day, 1,200 million, I'm sorry, so 1.2 billion mm-hmm. to 540 million. Because if, literally in half, because if they don't, the pressure will fail and nothing will work. <laughs> and that's drop. because their groundwater dropped? or Their ground, it's, it's A, drought, multi-year substantial drought. Number two, it is um, it is ground level water and aquifers because they're on they had relied on a number of substantial aquifers uh, right outside of the major communities. You know this is this is incredible, and and what's also going to happen as a consequence: water shortage, shortage, sanitation failure, disease, and then of course the best thing that all humans do: we will begin to compete for the most important of human resources, water. Which means the nation descends into anarchy. Yikes. So you're looking for a way for there to be a great intergalactic or an international famine? That's how you get that, Craig. All right. Well, um, everybody keep your eyes out for the movie You Are My Friend, all about uh, Mr. Rogers. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> See if we can't yank the show back up here where it's fun. Um, what, what else is news, guys? The robot is called the Artas, A-R-T-A-S, and I cannot figure out what the heck that stands for. I looked at three websites. I'm giving up. <laughs> it does the hair thing? Yeah. So um, I sent a link over oh, you did? about this be- because I sent it to earlier in the week to oh, you and oh, Craig. Okay. From the, this, is, this, is, uh, <clears throat> from, this is dated January 29th, 2018. Man dies after being sucked into MRI chamber. No. Yeah, I saw that. I, I, I had that on my list of news items. <laughs> I, 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 this, he got I, it, sucked in? Uh-huh. Yeah, he got yeah. sucked in, uh, according to this. Yeah, Craig, magnetic- you're, you're going to understand why, why this is bad. This goes right to the, what you do at work. Right, right. Uh, Dr. Ramesh Barmal told this newsletter, magnetic force of the machine sucked him in. We are not sure how he went so close. An inquiry is on. Okay, yeah, I guess. But secondly, staffers, according to the report, claimed that the man, let us remember his name, he is Rajesh Maruti Maru. He had been escorting his sister's elderly mother-in-law to Mumbai's hospital when he suddenly got trapped in the machine while holding an oxygen tank. Mm -hmm. Staffers, according to the report, claimed that the knob on the tank broke when Maru was sucked into the chamber, causing the tank to leak. Maru's family says the man was holding the tank for his mother-in-law, for his sister's mother-in-law, who was scheduled to undergo the scan. The family claims the staffer said the machine was switched off, but it was actually turned on. And in the most self-evident statement I've seen yet today, although the day is young, during an MRI exam, it is crucial that all metallic items be removed 
before entering the scan room. Uh-huh. Which is why they have special non-metallic oxygen tanks for you to swap out and take in with you if you need one. Which they didn't do. MRI and magnetic resonance imaging. Mm-hmm. It's a gigantic magnet. magnet. And it's either kept inside of a shielded room where you've got special shielding in the wall, generally lead, mm-hmm. um, or you're inside of like effectively a concrete bunker that has a maze of an entrance where you have to walk like you go through and you go through like hair, a couple of hairpin turns. Yeah. So there's there's no direct route right into the room. You kind of got to so go in and back. So if something goes flying forward. through the air, it ends up embedded in the wall instead of. <laughs> yes. And, 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 and by concrete vault, I mean, I don't mean like, you know, concrete, you know, cinder block wall. I mean, like poured two two feet of poured reinforced concrete. Mm-hmm. Solid. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> oh, man. Maru, Maru's hand got stuck in the machine. Solanke and the hospital staffers rushed to pull Maru's bleeding body out oh. of the machine before he was rushed to the ward where he died 10 min- minutes later. Uh, a postmortem indicated he had died as the result of pneumothorax or a collapsed lung. Police said hospital employees. Hospital employees, including a doctor and the staffer who allowed him in, have been arrested. Yeah. They don't screw around in India. No, <laughs> I mean, they not... screw around, and <laughs> but then when the problem happens, you know, the hammer comes down. <laughs> but 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 the point but the point being that that you they that you just you just went life over as far as that's concerned. So yes, please write that down on my list of ways I would choose not to go. Yeah. No, they're supposed to. They have non-ferrous metal tanks. They have storage rooms, right? Am I remembering this correctly, Craig, from working Sounds on those right. clinics? Sounds right, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they're aluminum or carbon fiber or what they make the, the replace the safe tanks out of, but... Sheep's bladder. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's just in Scotland. In Scotland, they're sheep's bladders. Oh, cue the bagpipe sound effect. Wow. <laughs> Craig, do it with play your head. <laughs> I'll just play the drone. You guys play the melody. Um, what what else is news? Um, I've got some follow up news, or sort of. Jim, one time in the past, you talked about the Voynich manuscript. I did. Oh. Have you seen this thing in the news? They quick recap on what the Voynich manuscript. Sure, is, go Jim. ahead. The, the Voynich Manuscript is a deeply mysterious document that has been variously attributed as mystical and powerful and a botany manual. It is, curr- it is currently, it is named after its last owner, and it is written in a nigh, well, no, not nigh, it is an incomprehensible script. The story I brought was that, uh, well, first, is that you could get one online, which mm-hmm. was very, very rare, and I bought one for my wife. For Christmas a little while ago. Um, and secondly, there was a story that someone had translated it, but that turned out to be bogus. Now there's a new story that um, researchers at the University of Alberta have used artificial intelligence to figure out that it's probably 97% sure that it's the made-up language is based on Hebrew. 
I missed this story completely. Really? Uh, they tested uh, their algorithm on 380 different translations of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, and that's how they got their 97%. And then they uh, turned it on the Voynich Manuscript, which they suspected might have been written in Arabic, uh, but then the results came back that Hebrew was the most likely source. They uh, hypothesized that the uh, cipher acting on the Hebrew language could be an example of alphabetically ordered anagrams called alphagrams, rearranging mm-hmm. the order of the uh, letters in the words while dropping vowels. They attempted to unscramble the first 10 pages of text, but got mixed results. Uh, it said 80% of the words were in a Hebrew dictionary, but they didn't necessarily make sense together. <laughs> they ended up, uh, they got so confused that they uh, resorted to using Google Translate, <laughs> which if anybody's oh, ever, ever used Google Translate, like I oh, have, sure. I have a Spanish speaker in my office and I have used Google Translate to, to like say stuff to her. And every single time it's like, that's not, that's not right. <laughs> it's, I, I, it literally know. has never been right translating just English to Spanish. No, and and I think right now, look, first, we, we're sitting at the point where we are talking into that first telephone that Alexander Graham Bell had mm-hmm. compared to the phones we have today. The translation algorithms are just going to get better over the course of our lifetimes. But as both, uh, I, I, read and, I read and write Latin and I can speak German, and I can tell you, yeah, it's horrible. But the one thing it does do is it helps you with vocabulary. Yeah, it's good for just words. Yeah, if you're looking for individual words, but then you have to supply the nuance of language and the context. And I just read the article on this on the Smithsonian, and that appears to be the problem here, is that, yeah, you found individual words, but you found no context. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but... absent, absent context, it, unless you're going to argue that the author of the Voynich manuscript was throwing down these pictograms, I, I don't know what you're saying. Uh, Damien Fleming from Purdue, who I actually happened to know, well, okay, I don't know him like I know you guys, but I've, I've spoken to him. Um, he actually hit Facebook, or uh, uh, Twitter, saying that, look, guys, why didn't you contact a Hebrew scholar? Mm-hmm. Why didn't you just show your results to somebody who would know if these are actual Hebrew sentences? Oh, and so, not, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, we decided to talk to Google Translate right. rather than right. find like a 75-year-old guy who has studied Hebrew his entire <laughs> life. Right. Somebody who's because as and the, the really funny thing with social media is I'm going to shock you and say a lot Jeez. of my people I knew back in the day who were experts in these fields, they aren't the most communicative except in their scholarly fields. You know, they go to conferences and they're great, but you, you wouldn't know them if you walked next to them on the street. My, my favorite story was the greatest living expert on, well, you yeah, know, he is, on uh, three or four of the major Reformation figures that I studied. They were these little guys with skull caps and heavy coats that I once commented looked six steps from homeless, but they were legitimate luminaries in their field. So... I love it when people say something on the big social media space on Smithsonian or wherever, and they kind of quietly come out and go, yeah, no, there's just <laughs> no way. I love them. And that that's here what uh, absolutely what Professor Fleming is doing. They're just saying, guys, like, like you said, Craig, 
come on, you could have found one lady or one dude whose specialty was ancient Hebrew and just said, hey, we think it says this. What do you think? And they go, may I mambo dog face to the banana patch? (laughs) It's not quite that bad. The first line translates in the in the manuscript translates as she made recommendations to the priest man of the house and me and people may i mambo dog face to the banana patch (laughs) wow and i but you know what i'm going to say it again i love the fact that in this world where we explore the stars explore the depths of the ocean there's this book that is still making us mad this so great it's just sushi recipes could well, and if it is, how much the better? <laughs> Wait, no, that's the matrix code. That's the uh, oh, right, right. the that's graphic designer that generated <laughs> the matrix a, code. He just put sushi recipes up there. I thought it was a sushi menu. Well, it's a bunch of sushi stuff. Yeah, there you go. That's funny because uh, in in the first season of I think it's the first season of The Office, which I've started rewatching. Um, Michael challenges uh, Dwight to a fight, and they go to Dwight's dojo. Jesus. And Michael is yes. standing there pointing at the at the wall. There's a framed picture with a bunch of Japanese character uh, uh, pictograms in it. And he says, I know what that is. That's uh, that's uh, that's the uh, word for uh, California roll. <laughs> Something in the the, <laughs> oh, the the sensei turns around and says, no, it's not. Right. All you got to do is find the person that knows the language. I mean, that's that's the lesson that Michael Scott is teaching us there, Mm -hmm. right? If these guys had watched an episode of The Office, they wouldn't have gone to Google Translate. There you go. (laughs) Oh, what else do we got here? I've got Milwaukee news. What? (laughs) Hey, Jim. Do you know this? uh, Do you know this uh, Alderman Terry Witkowski? Good friend of mine. Yeah. What's the deal with this uh, thing he wants to do where, where he makes leaving your, your car running um, okay. illegal okay. and subject to a $1,000 fine? Steady. The, 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 the issue here is not so much private operators. It's, used car, it's a rent-a-car companies. We have a situation in this town. Because it's more efficient, they say, for these rental car companies to leave their keys in the cars or the, and, and, you know, car, cars don't have keys anymore. They have fobs. Right. Right. They just, it's, I, I discussed this when I talked about getting the Roger Young, my own car. Um, it was one of those things I had to get used to. There's no key to put anywhere. You just have to have a fob near the car mm-hmm. because these guys don't want to sort amongst their 120 odd cars. They leave them in the glove boxes. And because they do this, people, bad people, know this. And we've had a number of instances where the bad people have gone onto the lot with 30, 20 to 30 people and stolen squads of cars. Wow. That's not what this article says. I know, because everybody <laughs> wants to talk about the other side of it. But oh. This is what and everyone says, well, don't they have pop sticks? You know, that if they have these... They have pop strips that prevent you from going out. You know, they have those reverse sure, pop yeah, strips. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, these guys go out there and they bring big tabletops, wooden tabletops. <laughs> and they just and drop them on. Yep. 
Well, yep. you're bringing 30 dudes to steal 30 cars. What's bringing a couple of tabletops? That's Thank nothing you. at that point, yeah. This is, the, And then these guys swipe up. And by the way, they're not stealing Ford Fiestas, okay? <laughs> they're stealing, because as we all know, uh, Hertz and these cars, they have upscale cars. Mm-hmm. They're stealing Beamers. Yep. They're steal. They're stealing. You know, some. Ni- they're stealing nice Lexuses. They're stealing nice cars. Lexi. They're take- Lexi probably. <laughs> they're 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 taking them off the lot, and then it gets worse. A now the cops because you gotta gotta track these cars down. B we have proven that these cars wind up in the hands of drug dealers. They use them as mobile drug labs. They go out. They drive around town. They. That's how they distribute. They don't go into drug houses anymore. They use drug cars. Huh. So they're getting and SUVs since, and, and setting up yep, in absolutely. the back? Yep. And they're, they're and, I would think that they would just chop shop them, but I guess if, if you're no. dealing dealing in those quantities, like that, that's, I guess that would be difficult to do. They'd have to ship them to other cities. And I'm not saying, and, and I'm sure them. that some, yeah, and I'm sure that some of them get cut up for parts, but Milwaukee's not that big a town where you mm-hmm. can get rid of 30 of them. No, so Chicago, sure. Yeah, so they, 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 some I'm sure get chopped up, but many of them wind up being used in other crimes. Got it. And, and as a consequence, Terry, and Terry, Alderman Wachowski, he is the alderman who represents the area around the airport. Oh, oh yeah, okay. And as, and further as a consequence, he's got, I think, three of these massive used car lots, or not used car, rent a car lots. And these are the people that are being targeted. And he said to them, can't you just have a yard ape who goes out and gets the car? That is far too inefficient for us. So you'd rather have them steal 30 cars? Well, the insurance and, will pay for it. Yeah, they're insured. That, and you have the answer. Mm-hmm. But why, so, ter- so why isn't the, the, the ordinance targeted to that industry? Well, and that's one of the ongoing conversations there because... because the other reality is we had an uptick in car theft in our town over the past couple of years. And the cops will tell you the main offender were people leaving their keys in their cars or running their cars to warm them up before they go out to get in them. People have figured it out and people are getting their cars stolen left and right. Yeah. And it's a way of, and, and yes, it is being criticized as overly paternalistic. Nanny it state, being, nanny state, absolutely, and um, <laughs> the, and I understand the argument on the other side, but I can tell you that there are I, I know of particular cases where you know and well heck I had a cop tell me when I got my car, he said the number one way that somebody's going to steal your car is if you forget or leave an extra of those fobs in your car. Mm-hmm. Well, so but, okay, so th- this is these are two separate things. They are the thing that you described with the the mass theft of cars from used or uh, rental car lots. That's one thing. Yes, please do something about that. But <laughs> tr- telling people they can't leave their keys in their own individual cars to warm them up at risk of getting it stolen because duh, it to charge them to fine them a thousand dollars because they're stupid. Okay, to prevent them this? from acting on their own uh, stupidity, let them get their ma- car stolen. That's that's the, how life the, works. The, the, then, do the police have no obligation to go find your car? Mm, no, 
If you admit that you left your keys run in your car and your car running and it gets stolen, nope, sucks to be you. Okay. Now I'll go it. a step I'll go a step further. The insurance company doesn't have to pay out for your car. Yep, that either. Okay. Now <laughs> now I love you guys for saying that because you are intellectually consistent and honest. World don't work that way. <laughs> <laughs> but I really want it to work that way, Jim. I really want it to work that way. Wait a minute, are oh. you trying to tell me that our society is not intellectually uh consistent and honest? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I read with I read with great amusement. Since when? Times. I read with great great amusement the the people who are well no this is a the, you know that are blasting this proposal and if I went to them and said absolutely fine we'll drop this idea please then if you do that do not ask us to find your car do not turn this in for insurance would say well no you have to take care of me. Why, and what they really want to say is, why don't we live in a world where people don't take advantage of my stupidity? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the answer is, you don't. You live in a world where if you do something dumb, I did something dumb, I left the garage door on my garage open. And um, it wasn't very long. Now, I have an alley. Sure. And it wasn't terribly long. It was a couple hours. And some screwhead stole my snowblower. Oh. <laughs> Now, he discovered, apparently, a half an alley away that I have a key for my lawn, my uh, snowblower, and he didn't have said key. <laughs> so he just left you, it? You, you didn't Dumped leave it, it on your snowblower? No. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be the easy way to do things? Yes, just it would. Just leave <laughs> the key on the snowblower. Because when you're going to shoot something through the snowblower, <laughs> the last thing you want to do is go looking for that key, right? <laughs> You but you could go. just put it on a scrunchie cord. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of those little, looks like an old phone cord, you know. Just... Of, course, of course, you have lived here. The, uh, <laughs> you know, that's, but, and yeah, I found actually my neighbor a couple doors down went, hey, is that your snowblower? I thought it is. <laughs> sure enough, the, the, the thief had dumped my snowblower. <laughs> Realized it wasn't any good to him. So he left it there, but that was stupid. I admitted it. I was stupid. <laughs> But, and I suffered. I fortunately didn't suffer the full consequences, right. but some of them. Because you weren't completely stupid. You were just partially stupid. Right. Right. You at least had and, the key somewhere else. And we. <laughs> My name's Jim. I'm only half stupid. <laughs> yeah. Right. Do you, re- right. Jim? Do you remove the the spigot handles from your uh, from your hose bibs on the side of your house? Keep them somewhere. Yes. This is the people that are going to come and. <laughs> Steal your water when the hard times yeah, come. Yeah, the great water, the, the great water theft of uh. Just, just so you know, we have a word for that in Polish. It's called Czechlovenia. It's called the hard times. Sure. And 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 when when we uh, whenever my father or my mother would do something that just drove me insane like that, <laughs> they would say, "When Czechlovenia comes, you mm-hmm. will know." And I'm like, "What? Did, what did you just say? I'm seven. <laughs> that has no meaning to me. So no, I, I like I it. It's a question of allocation of resources, and the and this idea did not come from Alderman Terry Witkowski. It came from the Milwaukee Police Department, who came to him and said, "We got to do something about car thefts, mm-hmm. and this is an obvious vector to this problem." All right. Well, there you go. And, the, and, and this, we'll see what happens. This WTMJ.com article about it mentions absolutely nothing about 
anything you talked about, Jim. It just goes... What? <laughs> Journalism is deficient? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Reported as news. Well, what was funny is I read the, he- the headline, Milwaukee Alderman wants to make leaving car unattended with keys uh, inside illegal. And I started reading it, and I and I, I predicted, I guessed wrong, that the reason was going to be... And I don't know. I didn't. I don't know who this alderman is. I had no, no preconception going into it. I, my, my guess was... Well, because because leaving your car running um, when you're not actually driving it just to warm it up is bad for the environment. And we have to stop people from doing that because they're polluting. Nope, nope. And I was surprised that it was even worse than (laughs) (laughs) the part of it that they told me about in the article. Right. Well, no, you're we don't want you to get your car stolen because you're stupid. And we're going to fine you if you try to be stupid. You try try to be stupid <laughs> if you try Sounds to like act a weird on, song if you try to act on that stupidity the city's gonna try, find you try to be stupid try to be stupid <laughs> okay I, I just tell you a, a brief story about dealing with the media uh i had a long week <laughs> this week we had our we had our uh, health commissioner resign in a midst of a scandal and one of the things that came out was that he had a policy that said you must not talk to council members unless you have permission now, you can imagine my bosses, the council, took that poorly. So people in his office? Yes. He, well, he, the health department. The, the, whole, the entire department. Okay. Yeah. Wow. You cannot talk to a council member without permission. That, that turned out to be written policy. That was not well received. Well, no. So, <laughs> so um, uh, the word goes out from the council, hey, wait a minute, we're going to find all those policies. We're going to smash them. And as a consequence, the media went around and got a hold of a bunch of us and said, hey, do you have one of these policies? Now, it might have been late on Thursday. I might have been tired. It might have been a long day. But I sent this guy an email that said, and this is pretty much verbatim, look, you don't know me, and so I'm not holding this against you. You don't know my office, so I don't hold that against you. But the idea that I could have a rule like that in my office is only a little absurd. And would be ill-received by those I serve. And I figure send. This guy. On the Thursday night news. Puts that email up over his shoulder verbatim. Oh Oh my god. You find this. CBS 58. And I'm going. Really? You just. You didn't take that for the context that I gave it to you in? You just ran it verbatim. I don't regret anything. But it's true. Man, journalism is a thing now. I, I, it, it's not what I wanted it to be. I wanted to be a writer. That was my main thing I wanted to be when I was a kid. It's different now. Wow. Send us a link to that. I will. <laughs> I, I will. You can, you can see my email. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> so what, he had it like up on a screen or did he have it printed yeah, out yeah. Like, a, like on one of those giant checks? Like a t- no, no. <laughs> like, he, like threw on, up, he threw it up. Mounted on gator board. <laughs> no, no, he he threw it up on a screen. Okay. Wow. Hey, you're, everybody, you're famous now. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what I wanted. <laughs> hey everybody, what do you think it would take to reinvigorate the Halloween movie series? Hmm. You know the movie series that had a. Uh, a couple of good movies back to back, Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, Donald Pleasance, and then it did uh, 
they did, did that weird part three where they changed the whole thing around and then they went back to Michael Myers in the several sequels after that. And then that kind of all petered out. And then a decade or whatever ago, Rob Zombie did a version and then he did a sequel to that. And then it's kind of petered out since then. What would it take to bring Halloween back strong? Uh, Tom Hanks. A freight, <laughs> a freight train full of Activia? Um, that might be how she's getting paid because Jamie Lee Curtis is coming back to the series. Really? Wow. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to a uh, Halloween sequel where hmm, she's, let's see, wheeling herself around in a wheelchair, trying to get away from right where Michael Michael Myers is chasing her in a wheelchair. Ooh, Can Michael Myers be played by Mike Myers? That would (laughs) be awesome. He's, He's got stuff going on. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to the scene, you know, where her, com- com- where we, you know, like we, we see everything, um, kind of through her point of point of view and we, you know, like the classic scenes of Michael Myers off in the distance as he's walking or just watching and then the music plays and everything, but it's all real blurry because she doesn't have her glasses on. And right. then she like halfway through the movie, she finds them and they're on her head, you know, they just pulls them down and then everything becomes clear again. Or we could have, yeah, like you said, the wheelchair um, I want, you know, she's one of the original scream queens. Do you think when she screams, when Michael Myers appears this time, her dentures will fly out? It's going to become a run of old jokes. I got a bunch of them. Want me to keep going? Not, it, <laughs> it doesn't happen. You want an answer on that or no? No, we don't really need to answer that. But yeah, you know, it's like, I mean, I don't begrudge Jamie Lee Curtis a paycheck. And playing a character that she is beloved for. But, I mean, it's been 40 years? I should think. Maybe, maybe, are they going to kill her this time? Maybe that's what they'll do. Maybe finally Laurie Strode will get freaking killed. Of course, if she's playing her character 40 years later, that means that Michael Myers needs to be, you know, (laughs) 70-something. It just kills me. It's like, you know, I, I... the, the the revisiting is, oh. is getting that's it's, it's getting a little over the top boys and girls okay so we're gonna take this we're gonna take the thing from 10 20 30 years ago and we're gonna come back to it well here we're gonna put the... laurie strode running away from michael myers again at age 60 whatever she is this is the 40th anniversary of the release of halloween yeah that's what it's i said year. Yeah, it's no, we're years. not we're not allowed to have big anniversaries anymore. That was last year. No, we can have those this year. <laughs> <week. They> just, <laughs> just can't be ones. They get to be ones that I get to be interested in and excited about, not you. No, we get to have them. They they just won't happen every single day like they had uh, like they happened true. last year. Because you kept finding them like the number twenty three. Mm-hmm. And she's and she's got long hair. They're they've got her in long hair. They got her in a wig. She's had short hair for. 20 years. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's just... Uh... Maybe she had those new hair plugs. And I'm a horror movie guy. <sighs> yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I'm a horror movie guy, and I, I like the Halloween movies. Um, some more than others, but... Oh, my God. Well, Roger uh-huh. Ebert fa- Roger Ebert famously regretted his backing for Carpenter's Halloween. Um, because he... He really backed it and said it was a new way of looking at horror. Very exciting, very this, very that. But it opened up that whole genre of first-person slasher movies, uh, which were told from the perspective largely of the the killer. Yeah. 
and uh, he felt that they became exploited and all these other things. So. Well, and they do, and that's the way horror movies work. Something comes along and innovates, and then um, you know it maybe has a few sequels, and maybe there's a few other movies that that take that thing that you know innovated, and they do it well, and then some other ones do it poorly, and then the sequels push on, and then they start to and they start to become trite and overused and cliche and everything, and then something else innovates. Um, you know, the, the self-aware horror movie that came out of Scream, that was a reinvigoration of the horror yes. genre. Yes. The horror genre, as we know it, was dead prior to Scream. It had been dead for going on a decade. It had been, you know, in, in, in its death throes for several years. Um, and then the self-awareness, the self-aware thing came along and Scream came in the sequels. And there was other movies that did that. And then there were the spoof movies, like, you know, the actual full-on comedy, scary movies and stuff like that. And then they, you know, did other stuff and then that became too cutesy. And so they started, you know, then we decided, okay, well, let's ratchet it up to like, remember the days of the seventies and really, really gutsy exploitative, like, oh my God, blood and guts over the top. And then that's when the things that people call the horror, you know, the torture porn, even though there are movies in that category that are really, really good horror movies. Like the first, uh, saw, I would argue the first three saws. Um, and the first hostel after, after saw three, well, I mean, regardless, I'm not going to get into that. Are we, we already discussed the whole saw series, unless you want to watch the new jigsaw movie that just came out. No. Cause that sucked. Um, did you see saw? Do you want to see saw? I when saw should we jigsaw. see saw? Moving on, moving on. I'm done. <laughs> There's always something that comes along and invigorates and then gets, oh, and then it gets, gets, and then it gets overdone and then something else comes along. That's how horror in particular has functioned since the thirties. There was a time when there was a time when the, you know, Dracula was, Oh my God, another Dracula movie. Come on, Bella, (laughs) move on. Or, you know, Cheney or, or Karloff. And then there was other (laughs) stuff that came along. It just, yeah, it's, it's just like every 10 years, there's something new. We don't need to revisit 40 years ago. I'm done. How many Hellraisers have there been now? Far too many. Because the stupid rights to the movie franchise is uh, has a clause in there that says they need to put out a new movie every so many years, or the rights revert to the the original or the previous owner, or perhaps to Clive Barker or to somebody else. I'm not sure how it works. That's why we get two good Hellraiser movies and like eight pieces of shit. Wow, this is awesome! I did not know. Would you care to guess how many there are? If I Hellraisers, yeah, I would say there may be ten. I'll go right. with 11. Zach, 10 is correct. Oh, Craig wins. I, that, that, that blows my mind. Cause I, <laughs> yeah. I saw the first three. I saw the first three. I was a, I was a pretty big Clive Barker fan from the books. And, and then I thought, I thought the first one for being a low budget thing that it was, was actually pretty well done. Incredibly well done. It was uh, very effective for a movie. It was its budget in 1987 was one million dollars <laughs> and it shows because the movie let's face it i mean if you know the the hellraiser movies the, the basically you can you can gauge um up through the fourth movie you can gauge how bad the hellraiser movie is or sorry let's put it this way ga- gauge how good the hellraiser movie is by it, it being inversely proportional to the amount of time that the cenobites spend on screen the less we see the demon people the better the movie is. Um, once you get to the fifth one and on, they're all just shite. Just they're all just completely terrible. I, 
I, I just, I, I'm looking at the Wikipedia entry, so it must be true, for Hellraiser. <laughs> right. And yeah. my head, my head fell over sideways when I am told <laughs> that the game Super 3D Noah's Ark. I'm going to say that again. Super 3D Noah's Ark began as a Hellraiser license for the NES. Sure. What? The team, the team eventually abandoned the license and converted it into a simplistic Bible-based game. Wow. There are multiple Hellraiser movies that began uh, from the fifth one on that began their life as a completely different concept and script. And they couldn't get the traction and they couldn't get the interest to make it. So they took, they, they got in touch with the Hellraiser. I'm not kidding. They got in touch with the people who own the license to Hellraiser and said, how can we bend this into a Hellraiser movie? And they did that. And then the people said, oh, it's a Hellraiser movie. Okay, here's, you know, a million bucks or whatever. And they made movies. At least two of them are like that. That's awesome. And by awesome... I mean, absolutely <laughs> terrible. Moving super, on. Sorry, I just super three D Noah's Ark. I'm getting it. Okay, very good. <laughs> okay, we got we we, we got something what, we no, want to no, set no, Jim no, on. No, 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 okay. no. This whole business with with the right. Halloween revival and 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 picking up in real time where everyone's old got mm-hmm. me thinking. You know these movies like uh like the 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 red movies. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. With Bruce yeah, Willis yeah, sure. and Morgan Freeman, and then there was another one last year with Morgan Freeman called "Going in Style" about the guys that try to rob sure. the the bank to get their pension back, and and it's yeah. you know the the old guys go, and now they're and they you know it's they're all old, and then they make a bunch of jokes about them being old. We need a movie like that with all of the the seventies and eighties um, horror uh, bad guys like. Michael Myers and Jason and Freddy, but as elderly versions of themselves. I think that would be awesome. <laughs> the and but but the problem is they're not the most communicative types. Like, that's okay because that's okay because there's like two dozen of them. So you could it could just be vignettes. You could almost do it as an anthology of shorts. You could just have, you know, it could be a five minute bit of Jason Voorhees chasing some young nubile co-ed at Camp Crystal Lake where Jason is literally wheelchairing himself through the forest. Mm-hmm. And she is falling and falling and falling. And it's five minutes of, you know, it's the Peter Griffin joke of where he hits his knee and just goes <laughs> ah, <laughs> over and over where it's just fifth, it's five straight minutes of mm-hmm. him and her falling and getting caught on branches and everything. And he's in a wheelchair going over roots, you know, going down <laughs> hills and he still catches her. <clears throat> I would watch a five minute chart of that because by the end I would be laughing my ass off. Freddie Freddie has <laughs> to carry around an, an oxygen tank to call back to earlier in the episode. And every time somebody um, <laughs> tries to set him on fire, it blows up. Well, you gotta you gotta <laughs> twist it for the you gotta twist it for the villain, right? So for Freddie, right. it's gotta be like, you know, Freddie enters the the dreams of kids nowadays. So what are kids dreaming about nowadays? It's like all of a sudden it's like Minecraft Freddie. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or uh or Jason can't get the he's not strong enough his arthritis prevents him from from starting his his uh his uh 
Wait, Jason, who am I thinking of? No, Chainsaw Massacre. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. What's Le- that guy's Leather- name? Leatherface. Leatherface. He, he can't get the chainsaw started because his arthritis hurts, and he needs the other guys to help him pull the cord every time. Yeah, and they can't help him either because they're all equally old. And then he goes to a uh, to an uh, like a hardware store where he can get an electric chainsaw, where all you have to do is flip a switch and it just starts up. I think Jason's mask keeps falling off because his head is shrunk. <laughs> I don't know what Jason's thing would be. <laughs> I told you what Jason's thing would be: It'd be wheelchairing and. Just... Oh well, yeah, 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 yeah. That could be Michael Myers too. Anyway, yeah. Um, anyway one one more uh piece of milwaukee news because i i found this immediately after the last time jim was on and and we have to it's also follow-up news we'll just hit it really quick uh alice cooper in wayne's world yes says that uh that milwaukee comes from the algonquin term for good land right and we you talked about uh, uh other the, interpretations well here, here i found the article it's <laughs> This actually popped up, like, literally the week after we recorded. Um, Milwaukee uh, does indeed translate to good land, but uh, from terms originating in Ojibwa, Potawatomi, and Menominee mm-hmm. languages. There you go. So and, there's, there, it is amazing to me that as we sit here, I mean, my life isn't that long. It's only been half a century. But, you know, that it's taken so long to settle something you think we would have settled. Mm-hmm. But here, this uh, this little this is from the Milwaukee Public Library mm-hmm. website. Well, but Milwaukee is just one of many places that have names coming from words in Native American languages in Wisconsin. Uh, itself having a name that has been attributed to the Chippewa and Menominee terms for muskrat house. Yes. <laughs> hey, you're gonna come visit us in muskrat house? That's <laughs> well. Sounds again. like something in college. <laughs> <laughs> wow are you gonna are you gonna pledge for muskrat house <laughs> would the uh, the would the the sorority version of that be beaver house hey oh yeah uh um, no. if i was there i'd slap you wawatosa comes from wawatesi which is ojibwa which is for firefly. firefly very good jim let's let we're testing jim's knowledge here now piwaki comes from the menominee word Piwanaki, which means no idea. The flint. I knew Wawatosa, the flute, the flinty place. Oh, the flinty place. All right. Jim, Jim's response was no idea. If the word had actually meant the phrase "no idea," I would have crapped myself. <laughs> which is easier for you today than most. Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> I don't even have to think too hard about that. <laughs> oh, crapping yourself episode title. Nope. <laughs> Veto. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, what else do we have? Muskego, which derivates from the Potawatomi Mashkigang, which means? Uh, yeah, I, I think I got Milwaukee and, and, and Waukesha, or Wauwatosa. Uh, That's it. Swampy place. <laughs> okay. Kenosha, from the Potawatomi name for Pike. Which, what's the river that flows through Kenosha? The Pike River. Um, Bondulac. Uh, That's French. Yes. It says, says, I know, you're thinking, that is clearly French. I want none of of that in my post about Native American place names, please, and thank you. (laughs) The person who wrote this has a sense of humor. The term, uh, 
the Menominee used for the area that is now Fond du Lac was Wanika Miu, which means ass. Fond du Lac. <laughs> well, we know that uh, Lock, L-A-C, is lake. Lake, right? right. So it's something about the lake, something of the lake. I'll take your word for it. I don't know any of these languages. The end of the lake, which is what the French ended up calling it. So it's Fond du Lac is the French translation of Wanika Miu from the Menominee. Hmm. All right, then. And that's how that got that name. That's where this article stops. But Oconomowoc, I know this one. There's Lu- uh, oh, you know, I, this one I know, but only because if you read the Wikipedia article about Milwaukee, if you read the Algonquin it's the gathering place by the waters. Yep. Which is the whole Millie Okay thing. Oconomowoc is where waters meet. Correct. That's the only reason I know that. Yeah. There are there are two lakes in Oconomowoc. Lac La Belle, French a again, beautiful lake, a big lake, and um, uh, Fowler Lake, small lake. And there is a Fowler Lake is about. I don't know, eight or ten feet higher than Lac La Belle, and there's a waterfall. The place where the waters meet. And if you and if you look at if you look at older maps of Oconomowoc, which is for those who don't know the area up here is not too far from where I'm sitting, uh, before it all got developed out, this it was pretty obvious why they called it that because you had this big honking lake on one side of a of a or highway. That's what I wanted. There's a highway running between them on a causeway. Yep, Highway sixty seven. That that is correct, and it's one big lake over here and a much littler lake over here. So the fact that they would call it that is not such a surprise. No. And I think the the Oconomowoc River flows through both of those lakes. It's yes, I and I would assume I based on the one being higher than the other, it flows into Fowler Lake and then out of. Lock LaBelle, although I don't actually I, remember. I, I think it has that has to, go, to work. It has to go that way. I think it way. has to work that way, yeah, yeah. I think that's just physics. The, yeah, the principle of least action applies there. Hydrodynamics. <laughs> oh, and then ba- back to French again. Racine is the French word for root, and that is the name of the river that runs through Racine. This concludes Wisconsin geography and, and, place, names. and place named historical... Uh, indigenous place names fun. <laughs> Hashtag. <laughs> Hashtag. I don't have any idea what any of these no. places mean. <laughs> Hashtag exceeds two hundred and eighty <laughs> characters. Um, <clears throat> are we done with news? I guess. Jim. Yes. You have other topics you would like to. Uh, just, a, just a short one, just because it seems like every time I bump around you guys, I. I happen to be involved some way with the theater. Um, I'm in a little play with my very good friend, Randall T. Anderson, who, who Craig certainly knows. Captain Cutter! That's him. And, uh, and, and he will tell you that that is amongst his fondest theatrical memories. Uh, he had texted me in June of last year and said, hey, you want to do a show? And I said, eh, sure. When is it? January. Hey, great. That's months away. No problem. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Future yeah. me will deal with that. <laughs> you know, Craig, you put that about as well as I could imagine. That's exactly <laughs> future me's problem, not mine here in the, the warmy, the warm days of June. 
and uh, went into rehearsals in early December, went through the show, and it is up now. It is The Secret of Sherlock Holmes, appearing at the historic Brumder Mansion, which is a beautiful old Victorian mansion that is a theater space in the basement. And uh, again, it's The Secret of Sherlock Holmes, and it just, it just really hit me. Sherlock Holmes just won't quit. I cannot tell you how many people have come to this show. Now, some of them are my friends, or they're, they're, but there are people who are coming here to get their homes on. <laughs> this is a guy. <laughs> yeah. you know, they, are, they are in. And it just, I, I'm, I'm happy. I've loved Arthur Conan Doyle since I was a kid, but it just amazes me. Sir how Arthur Conan Doyle. Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I, he actually was British and did get that title. I know, I know. And, and no, no, and I know. I figured that's why you were pointing it out to me. But, you know, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, this guy writes this character. Um, first of all, he wasn't the only thing he wanted to be known for, right? <laughs> he wanted to be, he, he wrote, uh, there, it's a great bar bet. What was Dwight D. Eisenhower's favorite Arthur Conan Doyle book? <laughs> I'll give you a hint. It wasn't a Sherlock Holmes story. Okay, mm. then I, and there's no way I know yeah. because yeah, I only know Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> wait, wait. He wrote other things? Right. And he, he, wrote a, he, wrote a historic, he wrote a series of historical novels. Um, okay, sure. That sounds like something Eisenhower would get into. Sure. And it was The Black Company, a story about some folks in the Hundred Years' War. So he wrote all these other things. And at some point, he actually tries, and I hope I'm not spoiling Sherlock Holmes, but he tries to kill Sherlock <laughs> because he's done with him. And he can't because, and we made this point, that Randall and I made this point when we were talking about the show and developing the show, it's like misery. The, in, eight, <laughs> in 1893, yeah. he, ki he kills him. I was, just, I was just getting ready to make that comparison. I was like, that didn't go too well for Paul Sheldon. That's right. <laughs> when Annie you, Wilkes found out that he, she, he killed off her favorite character. <laughs> you poopy head. <laughs> you duty head. You duty head. And the next thing you know, Arthur Conan, Arthur Conan Doyle is having his ankle snapped while tied to a bed. <laughs> And he did. He tried to kill him in the final problem in 1893. But the people get so mad, he has to write another story, which, oddly enough, becomes Hound of the Baskervilles, one of the best known. <laughs> and, and so he's got to feature him. He, can't, he gets this character that is bigger than he is. And it's so much so that in one of the famous locations, and I was doing some research for the show, one of the famous locations in the play and in, the, in all the books is the falls at Reichenbach, which are in Switzerland, and they're near the Swiss village of Meiringen. And if you go today, today, to that falls, there is a marker on that falls that said, this is where Moriarty and Holmes struggled. No, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> There was never a time at which these two men were here. And yet people by the hundreds come. And the thousands. And I get it. I get it. We love characters. We fall in love with stories. And I do too. 
But Holmes, who I've always liked, I have never had anything against him. But as I started doing this research, I was amazed. Obviously, the BBC series, which is hugely successful, two hugely successful movies starring two A-plus actors following in a generations of actors, all the way from Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce, who I remember most, but also plays. We've had, there are three Shakespeare play or Shakespeare, that's what, that's my, there's my sheet showing. But, you know, here's our, we have three Holmes plays going on at the same time in Milwaukee. Wow. <laughs> Jeez. In roughly the same time window, all being well-received. And I've gotten so many nice comments from people. Oh, you really brought this moment to life. And the play that I'm doing, The Secret of Sherlock Holmes, is a pastiche. Uh, it was actually written by the guy who did a well-received British series in the 80s of Holmes. And when he got done writing it, he wrote this play that sort of ties up some things and does an overall a big story arc. And I get all these, I can hear people in the audience leaning over to each other after I do a line or I make a reference or Randall makes a reference and going, well, you know, that's from a study in Scarlet. Yeah, that's what he's talking about. <laughs> Bunch of dorks. <laughs> or, you you or, can hear them doing this. Yes, I'm on the stage. Wow. They're, and they're, oh, that's that thing. And all oh, that. And you would think, oh, these are all old people, right? These are people in their 80s. No, kids. 20s, 30s, millennials into it. Huh. And Doyle had a problem with that, huh? <laughs> I'm a genius beloved writer who created an iconic character that everyone in the world loves. <laughs> Poor me. <laughs> I feel the need to kill him. You cry, baby. <laughs> you, know. <laughs> you know. So yeah, it it is it is it is absolutely remarkable that this persists in this way. And I don't, I don't mind. I'm certain that I, I am certain that uh, it's one of the reasons our play has done as well as it was, as, as it has. We I have a show today, a show tomorrow, a show Monday, and then all next weekend. But um, yeah, we're up against the Super Bowl, So I'm sure that'll go well. Um, well, it is, but, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Is it, is it Sherlock Holmes? That is the single character who has been portrayed by more actors than any other character in the history of literature. Absolutely. Yes. I think I think that's the that's the yeah. right call on that, right? Yeah. And they're and they're and they just keep doing it again. You know, just like every time you turn around, they, there hasn't been much in the way of big budget movie kind of stuff, but there there's there's talk, wasn't it something that came out a little while ago? They're gonna do like a a, a two women version. Like yes. all you know, the, the the two leads will be it'll be it'll be a take on Sherlock, but with both of the characters women. And and it, and it must coming be coming not yeah. too not too long from now. And it has created stuff that's not on the the main line of the stories. I mean, we've had Mister uh, Mister Holmes, the uh, the the one with Ian McKellen, where Holmes is very very old. We have this show, like you say, we have the staging with the two women, and you know, again, we did have the the Robert Downey Jr. Jude Law pair, where which, Holmes knew karate. Right? How? How? Well, but here's the, uh, here's the thing. <laughs> As is referred to in the play that I'm doing, Holmes knew, and he uses this word. And this is the thing with Doyle, or that, that I think a lot of people miss. He was a sponge for words and, and ideas in a, in a limited way like Shakespeare was. 
he didn't necessarily have to be a lawyer to understand lawyers and the law and to write about them. And he speaks of Holmes knowing Baritsu, an ancient tradition of Japanese holds and throws. Well, if you look it up, Baritsu is actually an elision of Baritsu, which was a kind of made up thing that made its way through London at the time that Doyle lived. It wasn't real. It was something that was used for the, for the British punters. You know, so, so Doyle saw this and gave that power to Holmes. So it's not completely crazy that he knew all these weird Asian things. Yeah, that's, I mean, that, that's fair. But at the same time, you know, Robert Downey Jr. was all shirtless and oiled up in that movie. So I understand. <laughs> I understand. And, and there was kind of much... a diff- kind of a different take. It is. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and, and yeah, and, and, and certainly it was the, the main thing always is, is that he is an intellective character. And yeah. we always like to, you know, we like to see him using his mind rather than his fists. There's no doubt of that. And it's always Watson, of course, the actual soldier who carried a gun. So, but no, I just, it, it has been remarkable. And of course, then you go out onto the internet and you try to do some research and you're, oh my God, these people are into this. You know, there are people who discuss every little detail, which is like I say, just look up Faritsu and you will find many, many pages discussing what that was or what it wasn't. And it is, uh, it's remarkable. So, Holmes and Doyle together as a pair are very, very much with us. And uh, it uh, it shows up on the stage. It shows up everywhere. But it's pretty cool. I like it. That's interesting that the kids are, are really into it. Oh, yes. What, what's oh, your yes. take on this alienist <laughs> thing that the, I'm being bombarded with advertisements still everywhere? It's everywhere. They really must have sunk a lot of money into that thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> yes, yes. Because it pretty much it, well, just seems like Sherlock Holmes with a, a, a third a female character in New York. Sure, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, no, no, I think, you're, I think you've, you've pretty much hit your hand on it. You put your hand on it. See, the other thing is, and this is part of what's driven Holmes, he entered the public domain not long ago. Ah. And so you have this ability now to do it without having to pay the Doyle estate anything. So, so that freed it up, but no. And, and the other thing is we certainly want this period. We are in love right now with Victorian and Edwardian England. You know, there are any number of shows that came out. I mean, Downton Abbey for heaven's sake. Um, and the, the, the Sherlock Holmes pieces, uh, the, uh, Victorian Albert, uh, the one with Judy Dench that was just out, uh, we, young Victoria. We have we we have sort of we we're in love with the aesthetic. We're in love with the elegance. We're in love with the language. So it, I guess it doesn't surprise me that the things like the Alienist would be out there too, because America wants a part of it. But our our experience is very very different, you know. And and it'll be interesting to see if they draw those distinctions. You know, one of the things that I'm really enjoying because I'm seeing it a little you know more and more. Um, written and this this is only tangentially um, in line with what we've been talking about, but the fact that the phrase since the turn of the century yes <laughs> has started to pop up more and more in everyday parlance, referring to 
you know, 17 years ago, <laughs> which is kind of rocking it for me. I'm, I'm liking that. I'm like, you know, we got the, we got the, in the, the turn of the century is within my lifetime. I can start referring to things that happened a little over a decade ago as in the aughts, you know, back in aught four, I can do that. What's the, uh, the correct way to refer to the previous turn of the century? Do you say the turn of the 20th century or the turn of the 19th century or what's the is, is I'll just say back is there in a old... style guide version of, of how you're <laughs> back, supposed to say that back in back in old well everything that's like more than about 50 years ago is just olden times right jim so you just don't sure. even refer to that turn of the century anymore this one's well, taking well, over i mean <laughs> we're, we're officially kind of we're officially heading into the world where time immemorial a word we've discussed um in great britain uh, time immemorial was something that was a term that was understood, and it was to be anything before October of 1066, hmm. the uh, the the Norman invasion of mm -hmm. England. Yep. Um. So, but but we're not going to tolerate that in our modern world where things move much more quickly. So it's certainly reasonable to say that time immemorial was anything over 50 years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it was before I was born. There you go. Time, time out of mind. Fifty years ago, which is the uh, after the year of the summer of love. I know, I know. It's crazy, well, right? <laughs> and, and that's well, it, it it gets harder as you get older. I can tell you, I can tell you with personal experience because you start doing these, you start doing these mental year checks on yourself, right? When I was in grade school, let's say my son's age, so it's nineteen seventy six, <laughs> the end of the end of the second world war was 21 years before all right 1945 31 31 years before sorry sorry about that 31 years before so I, and so for me that was an incredibly long time ago because all those photographs were black and white all the guys that i knew that were in that war were sort of older mm -hmm. right they were they were now what my age is thank you um but they were <laughs> yeah. they were well, you were you were you were a little kid, so anybody that was right. like older, anybody that was like out of high school is old. Yes, man, and they're so old. Look, so you look back at those guys, and they're old. Well, now take yourself to 2018 and subtract those 30 years, and realize I was in high school. Yeah, I was I was playing so, Atari. I was right. <laughs> I was in high school, and I'm going, oh my god, oh. Yeah. And actually, no, I take that back. I'm in college. I, I really have to be honest. I'm a second year in college. So I'm looking at this going, so that's that gap for me. That time back to then is my time back to college. Wait a minute. My life encompasses a lot of years. That makes me old. <laughs> that's pretty much the definition of old. Mm -hmm. And um, it's it's funny because you, you think about that and you try to frame your life that way. And you try to keep a historical sense. You try to... I but I, I don't know if I've told this story to you guys, but I'm the uh, representative, the staff representative to the Milwaukee Youth Council. These are high school kids, and they came to me a couple weeks, well, a couple months ago now, and they said, "Hey, hey, Jim, would you would you explain the Rodney King Los Angeles riots to us? <laughs> because none of us no. have yeah. any living memory of it. No, they weren't alive. Yeah, I just did the math." And I, went, and I went, oh, my God, this is such an, you know, this is a very diverse group, racially diverse, sexually diverse, all that backgrounds. And I said, first of all, I was honored that they trusted me to sort of try to explain it. But then I realized, holy cow, if you don't have context on that, 
forget about the history I care about that Craig and I talk about all the time, you know, the history of the last 30 years in America. It's, it is truly history. It's something written in a book or on a website. It's nothing of which they have direct experience. And lacking that, it just shows you how much context, even good history, sucks right out of anything. Hey, Jim, want to know something else? The fact that you said it is written in a book and then had the afterthought to say or on a website <laughs> also yeah. shows your age. Yeah, yeah. But there <laughs> Should I, should I be first going to books, Mr. Jim? And then, then I just did the math too. I did like the little, the year experiment. I was like, okay, I'm 45 years old. That mean, I was born in 1972. So 45 years ago, I was born. 45 years before I was born, the Great Depression had not yet hit. Alcohol was illegal. Right. It was 1927. <laughs> <laughs> and for the record, my father was born. <laughs> So it's, yeah, but, yeah. But, but the thing, you know, like I'm right. I'm, I'm writing a book. I'm writing a game about that period in time, in part. Yes. Yes, and I'm are. thinking to myself, yeah, I'm like, oh my god, that was only 45 years before I was born. I think of it, looking at it now from you know my body in 2018. I'm thinking oh, that was 100 years ago. But it's like, you know, yeah. But I was, I'm 45, so that was, yeah. Oh, holy, yeah. Mm -hmm. Jesus. Crap. I was, I was in, son of a bitch. <laughs> I was still in still in eighth grade when my dad was the age I am now. <laughs> I'm telling you. Anyway. So uh wanna more... spend wanna spend about uh two or three minutes with Sam or you want to spend five to ten minutes with Sam? I that's, okay. that's 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 Mike's call. I'm fine. Go for it. Do it do whatever. We have a All Kevin right. question too, so oh, okay. So it's going to be a long episode. Okay, everybody, buckle I've got, in. <laughs> I've got, as you know, we're, we're drifting with Sammy Peeps through his life. We've flipped over because it's been a whole new year. So we're in 1661. Okay. Mm. This is the great diarist, Samuel Peeps. That was like Never 45 years before you were born. That's true. Sam is going to tell us his deepest, darkest secrets that he never intended to have anybody else read. And it's now the uh, 28th of January. Very short little starter here. <clears throat> to the theater, where I saw again the lost lady, which doth now please me better than before. And here, I sitting behind in a dark place, a lady spat backward upon me by a mistake, not seeing me. But after seeing her to be a very pretty lady, I was not troubled by it at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's Sam. That's our Sam, everybody. Yep. Mic drop, we're out. <laughs> so my dude is sitting in a theater just minding his business and somebody just spits on him backwards you wonder who does that because that's actually don't we usually spit forwards pretty girls <laughs> sam, just, sam just told you pretty girls do it well maybe she was just laughing and like turned her head to the side really fast and it flew out you know <laughs> Seems like she really hocked one backwards, but you say so. <laughs> so, so that was that was one. So she was pretty, and that was okay then. Yeah, he was grossed out well, at first, and then noticed that she was hot, and then he was turned on. So that was like, oh, you spit on, on people all the time. Um, now to the eighth of February, just a few days later. To the exchange. Here I met with many sea commanders. Now, it'll be remembered as a note that Sam is high up in the bureaucracy of the Royal Navy. So that's that's why he gets to do this. And what's his title again? 
Uh, he's an undersecretary. Okay. He is an undersecretary to the Royal Navy under the under uh, the Earl of Salisbury. And among good, good stakes, that guy. Oh, yeah. And not, oh, yeah, the, yeah. not the Earl of this apartment, the Earl of Salisbury. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Not the Earl of Craig's upper loft. The uh, his Swanson other... dinners are the best, man. Okay. And among others, literally, my favorite is the Salisbury steak. Sorry, go ahead. I'm over here waiting. The, <laughs> among stuck. others, Captain Captain Curtle and Curtis and Mootham, and I went to the Fleece Tavern to drink, and there we spent till four o'clock, telling stories of Algier and the manner of life of slaves there, and truly, Captain Mootham and Mister Dawes, who had both been slaves there did make me full acquainted with their condition there, as how they eat nothing but bread and water. At their redemption, they pay so much for the water that they drink at the public fountains during their being slaves, how they are beat upon the soles of their feet and bellies at the liberty of their pardon, how they are all up all night called into their master's bagnard, and there they lie, how the poorest men do use their slaves best, how some rogues do live well, if they do indent to bring the to, to bring their masters into so much a week by their industry or theft, and they then are put to no other work at all, and theft there is counted no great crime at all. There is there is so much here that I just was blown away by. First of all, slavery, right? Yeah. This is this is not the slavery we think of in America. This is the slavery of the Algerian pirates. Wait a minute, Jim. You mean there's more than the one kind of slavery? Uh, there was. And this is something that is very tricky to get into because it gets very sensitive and painful. But the reality is slavery has, in, has existed for as long as we have recorded history. Hey, Jim. Mm. Is all slavery bad? Yes. All right. Moving on. Just making sure we're all good, on the same page. Good this point. isn't suddenly going to be. This isn't. This isn't suddenly going to turn into these sea captains telling the stories of the great time they had <laughs> hanging out with the pirates. And, but it's it's interesting. He meets these two guys who are pretty. I I just I don't know. I don't know. So I'm being careful. I assume they're pirates. Mm-hmm. But these are the type of pirates that the British government hired to do its business. Mm, privateers. Mm-hmm. Privateers. I must because remember, we are right now in 1661 at the cusp of the golden age of piracy. And so we are right now talking. Sam Peeps, because he is in the Navy, meets two guys, both of whom tell him they were slaves. But they were probably galley slaves because all along the north coast of Africa, the individuals that were there and we and we're going to meet these guys later in history as the as the pirate nations that Thomas Jefferson is going to have to go to war with during his presidency. And it is why we have in the Marine Anthem from the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli, those shores of Tripoli are the Burberry pirates. Hmm. That's these guys, same guys. And they have been capturing Christians since antiquity and forcing them to work as galley slaves. And what these guys relate is, and it's just, it's a fascinating insight because for obvious reasons, we know very little of slaves, of their lives, and we would want to know more. But if these guys are telling Sam the truth, then there's no reason to think that they're not. The most interesting thing, obviously the mistreatment, but the most interesting one was, he says, how slaves could be convinced by their masters 
to get out of debt and what they would do to agree to get out of their servitude, to get out of their bondage. And these guys are both captains now. So they have their own ships. And what they say is, is that in Algeria, in Algiers, the way they do that is to agree to bring your boss a certain amount of loot by piracy. And if you fill up the lot, plus the other thing is, by the way, did you notice what it is they have to pay for in addition to everything else to get out of their slavery? They have to pay for the water they drink. So it's, they like, charge... it's like New York City. Yeah. <laughs> they, 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 they tell them very specifically that one of the things that the, the masters keep account of is how much water you're drinking. And you have to pay for it. So they go out and he says, you got to go raid for me, go steal for me, go thieve for me, bring me the money back. And based on that, I'll eventually let you out of this indenture. And yes, there's indentured servitude, but this is slavery. And it is amazing that our guy, Sam, goes down to the Admiralty, talks to some captains, talks to some guys, but meets these guys that are on this ragged edge of British foreign policy and talks to them till he says, four o'clock in the morning, sharing stories. I like the fact that he says sharing stories of Algiers, like Sam has a story of Algiers. <laughs> Sam was probably telling him about that time that he bought the shirt with the fancy buttons and then felt like he overspent and maybe shouldn't have bought that shirt. That was one of the stories from a while back, right? Sam the got the, the buyer's remorse. Or the time that the plasterers were in and they were mad. He was mad at them. He was mad at them because they weren't doing enough plastering. They, they were, were sinking sitting too around, much. yeah, getting hammered. And that, I think, was my, was my, big, my big final note. Knowing what we do of Sam and his fancy shirts and fancy gowns and all this stuff. Can you imagine these two sitting at a bar, or these three sitting at a bar talking? What a picture that must have been. Because my image of these two captains, does it, I'm thinking a little more on towards Keith Richards than I am Sam Peeps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so, so yeah, our guy Sammy takes us, and why is this diary precious? It's because it takes us even, it's frustrating, because God, don't you want to know more? But what did you talk about? What, what are the, what's their story? How did they get captured? Why are they slaves? How long did they serve? What did it cost to get out? How did they get out? But he, at least for a minute, takes us down into this mine of a lost period of our past. Let's see. I'll do this math in my head very quickly. 427 years ago. Man. Damn it, Jim. I love learning things from you. Sam is our guy. Yeah. How long have we been? Geez. How long have we been talking about Sammy? Four years, three and a half years, maybe. Seems so. Ah, good stuff. I was just looking at all of those, and I don't remember. I think it was. It might have been the the second time Jim was on the show. He's. It's been a long time. Anyway, but what least, do we got? It's at what least we got? four years at this point. Yep. Um Wow. So Algiers and Tripoli in Algeria and Libya. I I could be the descendant of a slave. Or a pirate, or both. Yeah, because I have Algerian and Libyan DNA. Do you? I'm totes well, of people go. of color. <laughs> well, you know, you're swarthy at least. How's that? <laughs> I'm seven and a half percent swarthy <laughs> on, on my dad's side. Yar. So, somebody got a ancestry DNA for Christmas. Yes. <laughs> Oh, my dad did. The, the thing about <laughs> it is, though, you got to keep this in mind, is that you only know, like, you're half of what your dad is, right? You don't know what, because your mom hasn't taken the test yet, so right. the 7.5% swarthy, 
seven and a half percent person of color might be one of the less the lesser interesting things about you i know get I, your mom on top of this i know we, <laughs> she so my dad got his for christmas jim and and immediately swabbed his cheek or whatever you do and sent it off and got the results my mom's had her since her birthday last summer and still hasn't done it so okay so here's the obvious question solving all of this why don't you do it <laughs> because Be, mom already has the test and that solves his problem yeah, yeah but then you got to do all the math it's all, it's, I mean, all oh, you gotta cut there. it in half it was <laughs> it was 40 percent off between thanksgiving and christmas when i could have bought it mike, at a discount mike, i'm not i'm not gonna mike, get it now mike just corrected you with subtraction that he did in his head live on this show and you he can't cut his cut the numbers in half <laughs> is what you're saying i did not say that i did not say that you implied saying, it. I would like, but yes, I did. I did. <laughs> my, my, you know, my, my math is okay. I get stuff wrong. Let's not try to pretend like I'm a human calculator. I'm not arguing with you. Although I do know that the square root of 2130 is 46.1519. You did see the new prime number has been found, right? A new prime number. Yep. No. Uh, it was found many, by... A, how many digits does it have? Is anyway? Amazon going to have to change the date of Prime Day? Uh, no. No, no, no. <laughs> it's, uh, this this is a brand new piece of news. It is 23 million digits long. There you go. <laughs> it is... It was found... Uh, it was actually... And by the way, it's Mersenic. That It's a Mersenne Prime, which is a formula, don't ask me. But I knew Mersenne Primes are special. The crazy thing is... There's this thing that you can do. It's one of those computer group source things called the Mersenne Prime Search, where all these computers volunteer their mm -hmm. processing cycles to it. Sure. And it turns out that one guy found it. You know, it was his computer. Was the he one. Got the e he, he got the email from the guys who run it saying, uh, we think you got one. 99% sure, 0.1% malfunction. We'll get back to you. Um, it is more than 77 million twos all multiplied together minus one so yes this was found da, 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 january the 5th yeah I'm Mersen, oh, I was just looking at that a mercent number is a number in the form of two to the p power minus one where um where p is a prime number yep. it is a mercent prime so well done and that and, has and that and that has some sort of significance in the, ma the world of math, I'm sure. Yes. Well, they're 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 just pushing it out in the abstract to try to see if they can, I suppose, get to the end of the universe. But uh, there is a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar prize for the first person to get a billion digit prime. So go out there, kids. So is the is the largest prime number like the optimal prime number? So if we find that, then the transformers come and destroy us. <laughs> Is that how that works? Uh, you know what? I'm saying yes. Okay. Because I want that to happen. <laughs> Suck it, sweet meteor of death. <laughs> Look, we're letting already, the Transformers take us out. We've got Cape Town going code red. So, I, you know, robots might as well come. All right. Are we ready for a Kevin question? Sure. Kevin. All right. <clears throat> Here we have 49 question. Why don't we hear more stories about people getting folded in half in car accidents? <laughs> when I was a first responder, 
He's making that up. I responded to a call where a woman had severely broken her leg because she had her foot on the passenger dashboard when the airbag went off. The EMTs said this happens all the time and is sometimes much worse, including people being violently folded in half. Why doesn't the news cover this? Why don't the highway sign switch from click it or ticket to get your feet off the dash before you're folded in half? Thanks, <laughs> Kevin with a C. Oh, he's going to start doing time, that for now? the third time. Yeah. Oh, okay. For Benthity Benson, twenty-two, it should have been an uneventful drive back from her aunt's house in Michigan. Oh my God! To her Lord. own in Oshawa, with her boyfriend at the time behind the wheel, they crossed the border, and she decided to stretch out as best she could in the confines of her mom's 2002 Sunfire. Bethany knows what happens next only through the accounts of other people. Oh, no. <laughs> a small car and a motorcycle were involved in a collision that would eventually cost the motorcyclist his life. Coming upon that tra- crash, a transport truck driver would hit his brakes to avoid it. The, sun tr- the Sunfire was traveling behind the transport with Bethany asleep in the passenger seat. As the brake lights flashed, her boyfriend desperately tried to avoid the sudden stopping rig. He couldn't. Looking at photos of the Sunfire, it is hard to believe that Bethany and her boyfriend survive. He would require 100 stitches, but Bethany would have her life altered forever because of one decision she made before nodding off. She had put her feet on the dash. A deployed airbag inflates at about 320 kilometers per hour. That's a little faster than most Formula One cars race. This is what hit Bethany's hamstrings, driving her knees into her face. Her left eye socket and cheekbone were broken as was her nose. Her jaw was dislocated. A tooth cut through her lower lip, and she would lose her spleen. Both feet were broken and compressed, and would eventually end up nearly two sizes smaller. Not funny, not funny, than they were before the crash. Her well, no, that re- she has to buy all new shoes now. Her left pupil would remain permanently dilated, affecting her vision. Her hearing would remain altered, and her memory would be wiped and rebooted like a faulty computer program. But perhaps the most dangerous injury, imagine what I just said, would be the one that her mother told her not to worry about, a brain bleed. No. She woke up. She was no longer bilingual. (laughs) She lost a language. She lost a language. Yikes. God, the brain is weird. She she just, yeah, she lost all of her, all of her gear, just trying to see if there's anything. Uh, yep. So this was from Driving Magazine, Safety and Maintenance, August last year. Okay. So Jim Kevin. had no access. Nobody knew what this email was. I only read it like five minutes ago myself. Um, <laughs> there were no edits to this portion of the show. Jim Googled that while I was reading it and found the story. And and holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> This, they have a photo of the car. Holy cow. Yeah. It, has Ke- no front, it has no front seat. And Kevin, I think it's fair to say that after listening to that, um, it is likely that this is not reported in the news more often as you ask for, <laughs> because it's goddamn horrific. <laughs> I, I, yeah. And it, it's, it's, yes. it's one thing to report that someone was in an accident. But oh my god! Yeah, did the is, is the the nightly news allowed to be rated TVMA? Right, right. <laughs> I mean, it I, is on I mean, late. Hey, give it, give it, like you know, give us, <laughs> give us another five years. There'll be a cable channel that'll read that story just the way Jim read it. 
Oh, I don't think and the, the cable with, with channels now wouldn't be able with to do it. Computer recreations. Oh God, they have pictures. Computer of her simulations. Feet. Yeah. Ah, they have pictures of her feet. Oh. Ah. Uh, but really, though, and, I mean, the the number of shoes that women have, and, and to have to go buy all new ones because they're well, if they're too big, you could just kind of pad them, I suppose, and still use the she, ones you have. No, she has to wear special orthotics. Oh, ooh, that's even worse. Special yeah. custom made shoes, and then you have to go yeah. buy eight thousand pairs of them. And she now, <laughs> by just just looking at this, she is on one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. They show a picture of her fifteen medications. Wow. Oh. No feet on the freaking dashboard. I every time I see that, I think I think what Kevin thought, like. Are you crazy? <laughs> and not just not I never it never occurred to me to think of the airbag thing, like the airbag being the thing that folds you in half and not just the car getting crushed from the front. But uh Yeah. So that's that's two reasons not to do it now. <laughs> hey, have either of you seen the movie, uh the Quentin Tarantino movie Death Proof? Sure. Yeah. You and I went and saw that. Yeah, when uh when when stuntman Mike gets into his first crash with the, uh, the, the, I think four gals in the car. And one of them right. has got her leg hanging out the front window, yep. the passenger side. And, sure. and the car, his car kind of gets launched a little bit and he hits their car and it just tear. He like his car basically tears through their car and there's like her leg gets cut off. And one of the girls gets like the tire to the face and there's, you know, they, they, they and they show the crash like four times. So you see each cause it's, you know, it's supposed to be this big exploitation, you know, 70s schlock value kind of movie so they show the crash four times showing each of the women getting you know crushed yeah tarantino you're you're not incredibly uh imaginative holy christ that's just one person because they had their feet on the dash so yeah everybody please please listeners friends of mine family members just people in general even if i don't like you sit in the seat like you're supposed to or even better sit in the back seat like you're supposed to (laughs) yeah yeah, let the driver take the brunt of it, because God knows. No, I mean I'm looking God. at this thing. You know, it's 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 rough. It's like pretty pretty horrific. All right, moving along. Thanks, um, thanks, Kevin. Jag. <laughs> Why is he a jag for making fun of it? Well, for even now, I see now I know about this. There are things that I, when I started doing this podcast, I was like, oh, we'll just, we'll just talk about some nerdy geeky stuff. And I'll get to talk eventually when I started making games. It's like, oh, and I'll have an outlet to be able to talk about my game design. And Mike can talk about all of his little, like the, 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 the Apple stuff and all the, the geeky ga- gadgets. That he doesn't talk he about anymore we'll... because Craig made it uh, impossible. <laughs> Why did I make it impossible? Well, I gave you a little bit of crap about you it. You decided to make but... that your shtick. So I stopped yeah. talking about it. Well, I can I can let that I can let up on that. I'll tell you what, for the five year anniversary, you want to start <laughs> busting out Apple stuff again? We'll see how long I can take it. <laughs> no, I've got I've got my I've got some shtick I'm working on that. <laughs> All right, anyway. It. But there's there's stuff that I come out of these episodes like <laughs> God, I wish I... Know, I, I just <laughs> earlier, Jim, I said, I, I'm, I'm so glad I learned things from you. You know what? I take it back. Yep. I take it all back. Sometimes I, I learn I learn bad things from you, Jim. And, I, bl- and, I, and I blame Kevin. 
Well, yeah, you ultimately have to blame Kevin because he's the one who asked. Jim just answered. Yeah. yeah. Why doesn't the news cover it? Well, they do. And this is how they covered it. Um, <laughs> these are the things that they covered. Ugh. But yeah, gross. Oh anyway. Is that are about we ready to it? move on? Yeah, I'm. I'm Wait, I'm move good. on to what? We have another thing? Nope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, Jim, thank you. Yes. Oh, always a pleasure, guys. You can... Yes. Uh, Mike, where can they find us? Uh, they can find us at nerdburgershow.com, at nerdburgershow on the Twitters and the Facebook. Email us, nerdburgershow at gmail.com. And uh, you can go to uh, nerdburgergames.com to learn about all the game stuff I'm doing. You can go to drivethroughrpg.com to buy some of those game stuffs. And if if you are listening to this on Wednesday, the day uh, you know the day that this comes out, we are now less than one month away from the Capers Kickstarter. Tuesday, March 6th, less than a month to go. On the next episode of Nerdburger, Mike and Craig announce the Nerdburger podcast biopic. Mike will be played by Christian Bale, because he can kind of be a little bit of a dick, too. And Craig will be portrayed by Ice Cube, because Ice Cube is the only actor who ever trees a crack with a good life. Okay, so that was uh Craig will be portrayed by Ice Cube because Ice Cube yeah. is the only person who's ever portrayed a character Craig in a good light. Yes. Okay, you were cutting out. <laughs> Well, well, so was the music. <laughs> yeah, on my end. Yeah, I think. Uh... And, and I discovered yet another douchebag Craig on television. Oh no. Um. Yeah, I did. Uh, in Scrubs, there's a point where the janitor, because the janitor's weird, he has a stuffed squirrel army. He has <laughs> like this whole bunch of stuffed squirrels, and he introduces a new stuffed squirrel to the group, and he starts talking to the whole group of squirrels because he's the janitor and he's weird. And he starts talking and he says, and he looks suddenly to the side and he says, Craig, can I finish? Apparently the stuffed, st- stuffed squirrel that he named Craig is a douchebag and won't let him finish a sentence. Was interrupting him while he was trying to introduce yeah. the new squirrel. The new squirrel, Brian, or whatever his what name was. was yeah, I, don't, well, yeah. I don't remember. So, <laughs> I don't so remember of course, out of all... All I know all... is I had to rewind it to go, oh, yep, the squirrel's named Craig. The guy, did... the interrupting squirrel is named Craig. But did did, did he just... Oh, oh God damn it. <laughs> Not again. <Yeah>. Basically. <laughs> and this is a show that you've seen before. Yes. You missed it the first time. <laughs> I might. I must have, yeah. So that was uh, Friday. Is that the movie with the good Craig? Yep. I'm trying to make this episode the longest one. Okay, well, you can just keep talking to yourself because I'm done. Okay, Jim, are you still there? I'm here. Oh, okay. I'm just All right. But, well, uh, okay. I don't have anything else to say. How long do we have to keep talking for this to be the longest I, one? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't really yeah, know I, where if, we started. If I, had a goal to shoot for, if I had a goal to shoot for, I'd be in. We could uh, pick up our conversation from before the episode started where we were talking poops. That's... <laughs> <laughs> I think it might be like five or ten more minutes at least. I don't oh, got five not. minutes of worth five minutes worth of poops talk 
Oh, oh, I've got five days worth of poop talk. <laughs> Just given the opportunity, my God, you bet. We could make this a podcast-a-thon. <laughs> or a poop-cast-a-thon. All poop all the time. <laughs> poop-cast. Nothing, nothing but poop. <clears throat> Pooperific. <laughs> Welcome to the poop-cast. Poopendous. <laughs> the most... It's the most popular podcast on the web. <laughs> there you go. It's wildly popular. 